through the hourglass. Today is the longest day of my life. Welcome back to the longest days of our lives, the 24 Fancast. It is day two, hour 20, and I am one of your hosts, Jack Bauer, super fan, Mike Cushing. And I'm another one of your hosts, 24 newbie, Curtis and- Perry. Wow, I, I tried to jump the gun there real fast. Yeah, you Sorry, did. Yeah, Slow your wow. sir. Whoa. Mm-hmm. I'm the other dude, Michael Howard. <laughs> Jack Bauer, torturer, Michael Howard. <laughs> Jack Bauer, torturer. Stab well, him in the chest. Well, gents, before we get into it, um, I, I fear I do have to issue a retraction from last episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the end of it, um, I did mention we got a piece of fan mail. From a uh, listener named Mike, mm-hmm, new mm-hmm. gentleman, um, he sent a a email to or a Facebook message to us that was very clear that he hates Kim Bauer. Hates. Okay. Oh yeah, we got that backwards. I I misread Ooh. it and said that he said that he loved Kim Bauer. He loved her. Just and he oof, everything about he messaged us again, thanking us for the shout out, but asking for us to clarify that oof, he does yeah. not in fact enjoy the character of Kim Bauer. So, um. Retraction issued. We regret the error. Yeah, real sorry about that, buddy. If if we had any more fan, that could have been real rough for you. Yeah, <laughs> you know, being sorry the one for the person ostr- ostracization. It's you had to too go bad. Uh, it's weird though. It's like three d- three of the four listeners of the show, including the hosts, are named Mike. Now. Yeah, like proven <laughs> listeners. And yeah, we but- thought one of them would have liked Kim Bauer. I think that was it. <laughs> no, was just like very wrong. Yeah. I mean, no, but like, who's the person who jumps up on Facebook who's like, guys, I, I know we're all talking about this, but I like cancer. Nobody does that. <laughs> so you don't want to be that guy. Three out of three mics say Kim Bauer sucks. Yep. So now that we're all lined on that, I do want to get into this episode. Mike, we apologize. We regret the error. Sorry about it. Guys, Jack Bauer's dead. He's he the guy. The mm-hmm. guy's just dead at the end mm-hmm. of last episode. Yeah. Yeah. And also, Yusef yeah. Ayuda might be dead. All of our heroes. <laughs> Are dead. Yeah. It's just it's weird, man. Whoops. Um, so we open up. Bet you didn't expect that, Curtis. Didn't see it coming. Yeah. Thought for yeah. sure. Had more seasons going forward. No, this uh at, well we do, but um oops. Jackson Power shows back up. Kim <laughs> <laughs> um, Bauer takes over the mantle. Well what I figured out was what I thought was that Kim was gonna give birth to Miguel's son, who she would name Jack, and they'd do a time jump. Oh, okay, he'd have the sweet roundhouse moves too. Mm-hmm. Exactly, the sickest round. And I mean, that would explain the jump in technology from season two to three. <laughs> Which Curtis, <laughs> buckle up for my man. Oh, really excited! It's about to get Can't wild. So, so I just, I just, I just got to the last season of Parks and Recreation, where it's three years before the previous season, and it's kind of similar to the way Twenty Four jumps in technology, where they just have like hologram ipads and shit just because yeah. it's three years later it's about like that it's yeah it's like the idealized future <laughs> yeah um so we open up it's now 3 a.m we see a news broadcast confirming to the world that finally the explosion that they all saw and that they are all panicking over in marietta georgia was in fact a nuclear explosion Weird. and um we see a clock it's 302 in the morning and at the, and at the urgent care center where in the I want to say basement of they are torturing Jack Bauer. 
Um, we see a couple walk in. They're all bloody. Other people are watching the news report um, talking about the nuclear blast that went off four hours ago and is just now being confirmed. So they're just and, in the basement of a hospital? Of a yeah. urgent care clinic just torturing a dude? Just tor- And like, there's like later in this episode, someone is just like, hey, keep it down. They're going to hear you <laughs> torturing that guy. Like, <laughs> Which did not come up at all in the previous know. hour. They didn't even put was- down plastic. <laughs> I was wondering, I was like, was I like, was I that drunk watching this episode, the last episode? Because I was for sure they put, they took him somewhere else. I thought they did too. No. It was real weird. And then he just came up into the clinic and I was like, oh, they're back at the clinic? Oh no, they're still in the clinic. So one of the henchmen is frantically searching around the, uh, the clinic rooms for epinephrine to revive Jack and, uh, a Dr. Spire walks in with a patient as uh, one of the henchmen named Davis is looking around the shelves. And uh, Davis looks up and points a gun at Spire and just says, hey, where's the epinephrine? He's like, I don't know. It's a treatment room. I have a patient. And what does Davis do in response to that? <laughs> Mozambique's the patient and then says, where's the epinephrine? Yeah. Well, you don't anymore. <laughs> I-, I guess you're free to find me epinephrine now because... That guy who had a minor elbow wound is now dead. <laughs> How much does so. that suck? You go into the urgent care clinic. You're like, oh man, sorry, I have I have just terrible diarrhea. Well, now you're dead. <laughs> and you're like, actually, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, thank you for <laughs> saving that. Me. Thank you. Which, hey, which again, hey, just to re- rewind, we didn't have an episode out last weekend because both of you gentlemen. Should have gone to the urgent care center with a horrible diarrhea. Very, very loose butthole. The yeah. loosest of buttholes. Yeah. Yeah. So, good. Welcome back. We yeah. did it. I, at some point, I wish that somebody would have just shot me instead. Correct. I, 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 was, I was asking for it a lot. I was in a hotel room alone just begging for someone to come in there and shoot me. <laughs> I, I only go to the urgent care center. Like, I don't like doctors. So, like, it takes a lot for me to go to the doctor. And if I walked in... Just because I had like a really, really bad sore throat, like a, the last time I went to the urgent care center, and some guy just shot me, I'd be like, "See, this is why I don't go to the doctor. This, this is why, why it's guys been a don't go to the doctor. Yeah, because you run shot. the risk of Davis shooting you." Yep, I would. I don't even talk to my own wife when I'm sick. I just, I just sit there in the corner and be like, "No, nah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's gonna happen." I've seen <laughs> ER man. Shit goes down exactly. at the clinics. As soon as you talk to a physician, your chances of dying increase tenfold, I Tremendously. think. Tremendously, yeah. According yeah. to TV, all of a sudden, I want to say Christina Ricci, I don't know her name, <laughs> has her hand in you, and you have a tank shell inside of your chest. And you and Grey's Anatomy on it, I like it. Yeah, because <laughs> I watched Ricci's once. Christina Ricci's in Grey's Anatomy? Michael, don't pretend you weren't at the Super Bowl at Ryan and your wife's apartment where... Grace Anatomy followed up the Super Bowl. We all mm-hmm. watched it while playing beer pong. Don't even pretend. I must have blocked it out of my memory, to be honest with you. Uh, well, you it, you changed the vowel. It was blacked <laughs> it out of your memory. Spoiler alert, Michael. <laughs> Wednesday Adams went boom. <laughs> <laughs> so Davis kills that patient and uh, demands that Dr. Spire take him to the epinephrine. They go and find it, and then we cut back down to the basement where uh, Ronnie Stark, the guy who was torturing Jack Bauer, and uh, someone named Trask, another henchman, are slapping a defibrillator around on Jack's chest and repeatedly trying to revive them. Um, They fail, and uh, Jack (laughs) remains dead, and 
Ronnie receives a phone call from Peter Kingsley. Where did they get Kingsley. a defibrillator for? From where did they? Where did it come from? One did want to go get the defib. One did want to go get the epinephrine. I guess it was just in the basement. They're just like, oh yeah, here, here's the garbage defibrillator. Just like slap that on we're, him. We're gonna find out later in this episode that people leave some weird shit in closets around this <laughs> in this version of America. Uh, I don't understand. But yeah, this is an odd episode for closet stuff, huh? Yeah. Yeah, a lot just, of closets. Just soup to nuts. The closets in this episode do not perform well. Um, so <laughs> Peter Kingsley calls and he wants to talk to Ronnie Stark. And uh, Ronnie says, nah, I don't really want to talk to him. Raymond, the uh, the the kind of higher up goon, you talk to him. Um, they continue to try to revive him. And Raymond lets uh, Kingsley know that uh, we don't actually have the chip. And I don't really want to talk to you. And Kingsley just says... And again, this is Kingsley is played by Jigsaw from Saw. Just says, what am I hearing in your voice? Answer me, Raymond. And what is what does Ronnie tell Peter Kingsley? First, he says it's under control. Yeah. <laughs> Which it's like, no, nope. is it, though? Also, how, how long has Jack been out for? Wow. It's been four minutes at this point. He's brain dead, right? He's coming if, up on brain death. If for they sure. haven't been giving him uh, air and. And, and chest compressions, yeah. yeah. Well, they've been giving him chest compressions um, because mm-hmm. they are alternating between that and the defibrillator. Yeah. Um, so they are giving, but it doesn't look need, like they've been like trying that, to resuscitate him. Need that oxygen, um, yeah. in your in your face hole. Or Jack has learned the dark art of stopping your heart to avoid torture. Okay. Mm. Mm. Well, thing. <laughs> we learn later that Jack might have the strongest heart of all time. Um, mm. not, not to jump ahead too far. I got um, some bullshit to call. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll get there. Um, so basically Ronnie tells Kingsley after some pressing that, or sorry, so Raymond tells him that Ronnie pushed Jack too hard with the torture and now Jack is flatlining, which seemed like a nice little nod towards Kiefer Sutherland's acting career. And I appreciated it. And, See, um, he knows what to do when he's flatlining. Mm hmm. Been I mean, there, done that. Be, be oh. a vampire. Um, so Kingsley just says, well, you better fix what Ronnie broke, because if you can't, <laughs> you're going to take over. Um, and then he broke his heart da- region. Yeah. <laughs> it's like none of us are doctors. But luckily, Davis walks in with a doctor who has the epinephrine and uh, Raymond holds him at gunpoint and says, you better revive him. And they put Jack up on a gurney, and Spire prepares a syringe of epinephrine with a gun just, like, directly in his face, which, that gun does not leave his face for the next 35 minutes. Yeah, so we just need to be drinking. Can't be a nice way to work. Yeah, please take, uh, say, three drinks. And um, Ronnie, who's panicking at this point, because I think he knows that Kingsley will kill him if Jack is dead, is ordering him to hurry up. And um, Dr. Spire just jabs that needle right into Jack's heart. Right into, right, like, uh, Pulp, like fiction Pulp Fiction style. Pulp Fiction style, yeah. Mm-hmm. How does that work? He OD'd on torture. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah, so <laughs> he jams that needle in there. Then they use the paddles to revive him. They hit him three times. And then <laughs> finally, Jack... His the the doctor detects a sinus rhythm of Jack's heart, and Jack wakes up and begins coughing before dropping his head heavily back to the bed. And uh, oh God, just that's not how this works. Nope, that's not no. how any of this works. That's not how the heart works. <laughs> no. And so they said that he was in V-fib. 
right? Ventricular fibrillation, which is not a flatlined heart. It's a rhythmic issue, so your heart still has rhythm. And when you defib, it lets the fibrillation stop, so your actual heart goes back to its normal rhythm. If your heart is flatlined, and I say this again to all of you, a defibrillator does you no fucking good. <laughs> it will not work. You'll just be dead. That is you'll all just, of it. <laughs> just be, you'll just be a dead Jack Bauer. <laughs> so, yeah, well, Jack would be Well, how do, you, how do you start a stopped heart, then? Compressions, bro. Yeah, but what, that what do the paddles cool do? To me is as electricity. <laughs> well, yeah. What about when you jam the paddles, you rub them together yeah, and you can like that? Clear. The Once cool again, sound I'm making with my knuckles. Most times you're going through cardiac arrest, you're actually going. You actually have your heart still is beating, just beating irregularly. So they use the paddles to get it back in its normal rhythm. Curtis, I'm struggling <laughs> to understand this claim that you're appearing to make that TV and movies have been lying to me for upwards of 35 years now. I just don't understand why. Like, I don't get it. <laughs> so you're saying if anyone is flatlining, if I jam metal paddles with electricity against their chest and I yell at everyone to get clear and then I just shoot them with with lightning, they're mm-hmm. not going to wake up? Correct. Oh, oh, what about what about the little tiny paddles that they actually use to start around the heart. If, I've cr- heart. if I've cracked your dumb yeah. chest open and I have like two big electrical spoons, <laughs> that those, works, I, though, those right? I do not know about. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I've seen those two in movies. I have never asked the question um, of the folks around me who are smarter than me. Because stuff, you know, what? If they it actually seems work. like if I just shoot, if I Emperor Palpatine you with electricity, and your heart's not working, like it should work. I'm just saying like, if just, I, that just seems. It seems fair for me to right. electrocute you back if to life. If I have a bad car battery, I hook up electricity to it. I've seen Crank say, too. So is what you're trying to tell me is that Frankenstein is real? That's that's what you're that's what you're. No, point I'm here saying is. Crank Two is real. Yeah. <laughs> and but Crank he was three. still he was still alive. He was still going. But he almost wasn't until he jacked his nipples up with car battery juice. <laughs> So <laughs> that's not that's not a human being. That's Jason Statham. There's a difference there. Hmm. But that's this is also Jack Bauer, my friend. I I'm I, and, I haven't hey. seen I haven't seen anything to tell me that Jack Bauer is nearly as badass as Jason Statham is. Okay, well we'll get there, my friend. Wait <laughs> wait till episode twenty three. Um, I'm challenging. I'm chal- right now. He's around a Vin Diesel level, so I'm challenging. Oh, get up to- oh boy, oh. howdy! You are in for all the treats. <laughs> um, so Ronnie Stark, the torturer who killed Jack, is visibly relieved that Jack is back in the land of the living, and um, he looks at Raymond and says, <laughs> "Oh, what did Kingsley want?" And Raymond says, "Oh, he just told me I got promoted," and shoots Raymond or shoots Ronnie right in the head twice. Right in the head. It's so. It was such a good line. So good. So a a dude named Kingsley had a Stark killed? Hmm. Weird. Weird. See it coming with his head game. Just gone. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) You shouldn't even show up, bruh. It's weird the parallels you see. We talked a lot about Game of Thrones on Trends in Low Places tonight, too. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-oh. I bet that got strange. No, not really. Um, But anyway, uh, Raymond, now officially in charge of the interrogation, walks over to Jack and says... Oh, you thought death would save you? You're not going to die until I kill you myself. Which is a pretty dope line to deliver to somebody, especially to a man who just died and, like, you accidentally brought back, apparently, Curtis. 
<laughs> against, your, against your best efforts. Against yeah. all the laws of science and medicine you brought you back still, from you the still death. brought it back. I just, I love when these dudes try to get all froggy with Jack Bauer, though, thinking they're a boss. I mean, he was dead. So yeah, like, and then he came back to life. Th- th- that's the thing, though, Curtis. You say that like Jack escaped them by dying. No, I get what I get what you <laughs> they mean. escaped Jack by killing him for a second. <laughs> yeah, like well, here's they, the question: they like, had an out by killing him for five minutes, and then like, oh, he's back. Fuck. Well, here's the question: so when Jack died, did he go? Did he end up in heaven seeing Terry, and then you brought him back? So now he's he's a he's a mad Jack. Hmm. Or did or did he go to hell, where he got to begin torturing Satan, and you brought him back, and now he's a real pissed off Jack. <laughs> or did he just go to that nothing place and floating? We're like, I finally, I didn't have to deal with Kim. There's time now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I went to the time place. <laughs> oh no, no, my Kim. <laughs> I went to the clock place. I had nothing but. Um, so. That, that, that means that means you now you've brought back a real because now you realize he's back in the world with Kim. He's like, God, fuck you! Hey, I'm gonna kill way, you and your whole family. Hey, gents, <laughs> two episodes in a row. I know, Kim free. Uh, I'm a, I was I'm what? afraid right now at this point. I didn't even. Oh my god! I now I remember why I'm so happy. The yeah. next episode is going to be so upsetting for you because fuck. you didn't even realize. Uh, so Raymond wants to know where the chip is containing the. Uh, the Cypress audio recordings, uh, the proof that they are fabricated, and Jack just kind of turns away and coughs again. And uh, we get a tiny clock. It is 3.05, and we see Mike Novick, that rat fuck traitor, mm-hmm. on the phone with uh, the vice president, Jim Prescott, who says, we'll have the cabinet assembled within the hour. And uh, Mike Novick confirms that David Palmer, the president, does not know anything about what is happening behind the scenes in which uh, Jim Prescott is kind of pulling the strings on a coup d'etat, uh, a 25th Amendment. Uh, That's not still how overthrow the, the government works. Nope. But and, so basically he's just, yeah, he's overthrowing the government. I don't yeah. understand how he thinks this is going to work. Yeah, the president has to be incapacitated, not makes a decision that you don't like. That's not well, how that works at all. <laughs> so beyond just a critical misunderstanding of how the 25th Amendment works, the best thing about this scene um, was that Jay Prescott just says, and David Palmer has no idea what's happening, right? And Mike says, no, he has no idea. And he, Prescott says, well, let's keep it that way. It's critical he doesn't find out. Uh, no shit about the coup you're planning. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess it's probably in your best interest that he doesn't figure it out. It's probably <laughs> a good thing if he doesn't figure it out before you've even told the cabinet why they're meeting. Yeah, let's not let the dude who can unilaterally send us all to Gitmo uh, find out that we're planning on overthrowing him. As let's not let like the commander in chief of all the all the armed forces and like the secret service and like the high, the most highly trained bodyguards in the history of the planet. Let's not let them find out that we're plotting to take the government away from him. Okay, so I-, I have a question about that though because I thought they said that the dude keeping Lynn in her room in in her closet up there. Yes, for Iceberg is was a secret service member. He is a secret service agent. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, how is he he's acting against the president's wishes or he just is doing something the president did not ask for? 
uh, clearly he's been swayed by someone else, probably yeah, the he's, vice president. He's, 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 he's or, um, or, Michael, as we will learn, uh, the cabal that has been aligned against David Palmer clearly has a line inside of the organization, inside of the administration. Um, very possible that Jesper Eisberg has been paid off by, I don't know, let's say Peter Kingsley's group. Um, but Mike Novick tells uh, Jim Prescott that it's not going to be easy and that I've already had to lock up Lynn Kresge, one of the president's aides, under guard before she let the president know. And Mike just says, you know, I just hope we're doing the right thing. No, no, you're not. I just, I don't understand who thinks this is a good idea. Their logic is the stupidest shit I have ever heard. Is We need to respond. Apparently, if we if we are nuked, as a country, from an unknown source, as in we didn't get hit by an ICBM that has an obvious track to it, it was a, it was a, a nuke that was long. We have to respond with massive retaliatory force within five hours, or the world is going to end. Or yeah, or the president I, is incapable his job. <laughs> if uh, can you imagine literally if we went to bed tonight and woke up, California had been nuked and we bombed the fuck out of the out of out of the Middle East. With no actual like knowledge of what happened, and just, wait, what? What occurred? Yeah, yeah. I mean, everything, everything did. Like, I don't. What? Why? Also, like <laughs> they said, it takes kind of a long time to get like a ground military operation. So they're going to they're seven bomb. to eight hours apparently, which does not seem that long, <laughs> all things considered. Yeah, but they're gonna bomb the shit out of the the thing, and then they're still not gonna have the people on the ground ready for like another several hours. Like, aren't those Mm -hmm. things supposed to be, like, coincident? Yeah, you'd think so. Um, But yeah, but apparently not. Um, I I guess the whole point to um, a line that comes up later was to nuke the Middle East into next Wednesday (laughs) to soften them up. So I guess ground troops can roll in. Um, No, that's just that's the end of it. Yeah, (laughs) that's kind of it. Yeah, and and it is the, the whole point was like the point of delaying like David. David wanted to lay earlier, and they said it would cost another 20,000 American lives. But why? Um, you, you're going to freaking nuke the shit out of an entire continent, then why not just... You could do it an hour later, and it's going to be the same. You yeah, can when, take your time. When we, when we nuked Japan, it didn't soften them up. It ended the war. That was pretty... Oh, well, all right, that's, that's it, y'all. Guess See ya. we're done. <laughs> um, so... Basically, Jim Prescott tells Mike Novick, he's like, you know, I hope you're not wavering. This isn't how I wanted to become president, but hell, I'll do it if I have to. Um, And Prescott just says, your responsibility is to make sure the cabinet votes to impeach David Palmer. And Mike Novick shows a little bit of backbone here. It's like and just says, no, no, no. My responsibility here is to ensure a vote takes place. But I will not manipulate the votes. And oh, Prescott okay. says, oh, maybe I chose my words poorly. You're right. But you're doing the right thing. And history will, re- will recognize that. And like, actually, if I was Mike, I would do literally every fucking thing I could to rig that vote. <laughs> You'd have to. Like, for his sake. Yeah. Why wouldn't he? Yeah. The Secretary of Education is going to be like, wait, the fuck? <laughs> I just. I'm not going to be like. Cause here's the thing, if all of this doesn't work, they're all traitors, which is punishable by death. Yeah. So nah, like, yeah, like I, if, if I'm the second of energy, right? I'm just in my. How about how's the boot? Fuck no, I'm not doing this right now. I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm going back to sleep. 
friend. Even if it does work, though, the 25th Amendment is still can be temporary. Like right. if they're temporarily incapacitated. So like, I mean, it's that's actually the go... whole point of the 25th Amendment is like president had right. surgery. <laughs> like it's going to be scrutinized after the fact. And they're going to say like, okay, why did this happen? And then it's going to be ruled unconstitutional or against the law. And then they're all going to go to prison. Nah, it's not I'm like sure. once you become president, you're just like, I'm sorry I made it. I made it to the seat. It's base. It's home no, base. I'm, I'm, I'm sure the nation that just elected a, a young, vibrant uh, black president is perfectly fine if they wake up in the morning and see that an old white man took over um, <laughs> throughout the black dude. Uh, and then a bunch of other old white dudes voted to do that. And then they <laughs> nuked a part of the world. <laughs> That's going to go over super duper well. Count it. <laughs> I mean, the 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 the. the, the Mike's like blaseness though about it's like oh no no I can't possibly try to rig this vote I'm just I'm responsible for making sure the vote happens that's my belief in how much David Palmer is wrong I will facilitate the vote but I have no I will not get my hands dirty in terms of it's like what the fuck are you talking about my dude wouldn't it just wouldn't it have just been better if Prescott had literally just shot the president in the face probably. Yeah, like that would have gone further towards his goals than doing this because for all parties, once morning happens, all David has to do is go to the doctor and the doctor says there's nothing wrong with him. He's not incapacitated. Cool. Now you're president again. We didn't like the the stuff he wanted to do. (laughs) We we, it wasn't cool. Good. So Lord, I forgot how stupid this whole storyline is. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. So let's let's power through. So Mike hangs up the phone, and just as he does, David Palmer, the president of the United States, casually walks into the storage closet in which Mike <laughs> is hanging out in with this secret phone call. And like it's no big deal, just says, Hey man. Hey, um, how's it going? And um he just says, hey, I know you think I was wrong to delay the military response. And Mike just says, I only think you're wrong because you're relying on a single source. And Palmer <laughs> just reiterates that, hey, Jack Bauer deserves the chance to uh, prove that we're being manipulated. And I'm going to give him that opportunity. I'm not going to budge on it. But he does tell Mike, I've noticed you standing by me during this unpopular decision. And I appreciate that. And then he asks to see Lynn. And what is, Mike just kind of tells a lie and says, uh, Lynn isn't feeling very well. And uh, Mike just, and he's like, why don't you take take whatever you need up with Jenny? She'll cover it. And then we see Lynn, who is doing what? Okay. First of all, though, <laughs> David Palmer just like, oh, let her rest. Like, his right-hand woman here. She's had a long day. She's had a long day. I'm just going to let her rest when I'm literally hours from bombing, from starting a war or not. Mm-hmm. She can rest. Don't worry. I don't need my top advisor here right this minute. No big deal. Okay, but anyway, what she's doing is starting a fire in a trash can. Getting her MacGyver on. <laughs> because, really because for some reason, uh, in a closet in the Enrock, uh, uh, there'll be a blowtorch. I don't know why there'll be a blowtorch. So to be fair, we're not in the Enrock anymore. We're in in oh, the district. We're in the CTU district office. So I still need to understand what this blowtorch. Is. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, it's, it doesn't really change things. Look, um, it's like so a video game. Up, Sometimes you walk in somewhere and there's just rags. There's so first of all, she's in a closet and she sees like three different fire extinguishers and she jams open the lock on a a storage like cabinet. She first pulls out a massive drill and throws that aside because it apparently won't suit her purposes <laughs> and then finds the welding torch and my only note was this should end well <laughs> <laughs> like it's they, they didn't want to make Lynn appear to be just MacGyver so they're right. like nah well what what if she can fashion a welding torch let's just give her the welding torch it's just Cause. yeah that's fine just <laughs> yeah. give it to her everyone just has uh, propane well, I real- torches later I realized later that Lynn didn't have any shoes on so I'm like, I wonder if the, the original scene was she takes her shoe and then she <laughs> Okay, did she not have shoes on? Because there's a later scene where she's we'll get there. Yeah, I, know. I, I was wondering sure about I her I'm footwear. I'm pretty sure I saw bare feet, but we can okay. see. I was wondering about her footwear. Didn't she okay, like, take so, off the shoe to try and pound on the door or something ridiculous? Maybe. Probably. Okay. I thought she was gonna do the old hot handle trick. Mm. I don't know if that works though. Be like, the, oh, the it's home alone hot trick, in here. huh? Because <laughs> normally, normally the handles are, are separate. I think the heat <laughs> transference between really yeah, it's out. not. It's maybe ten percent of the heat transference. So she she would have been there for a minute. Um, so we cut to uh, Kate. What's their last name? Warner. Warner. We cut to Kate Warner and uh, Yusuf Ayuda, who have been recently attacked by Nick Offerman and two thugs. What? That's Nick that's, Offerman. That's Ron Swanson. Ron Nick Swanson Offerman. used to be a. Dick, dude. that is Ron Swanson. Yeah, Nick Offerman, the actor who he he was portraying himself. He beat up a Middle Eastern secret agent <laughs> and, a, and a skinny white woman. Um, and so they are kind of searching through Yusef's valuables. They find the chip in his wallet, and uh, Kate sees this and says she tries to get them to stop. But uh, Marcus, played by Nick Offerman, uh, kind of says, "What are you even doing with him?" He throws her to the ground again. And uh, can't understand what she's doing with a uh, Middle Eastern gentleman. And uh, what does she agree, what does she offer to do and to leave Yusuf alone and to give her the chip to give the money, but like to go back to her house to get the right. money, right? And so Marcus says, "Okay, sure, we'll go get your money." And then he walks over to Yusuf, and what does he do? And this sucks. Yeah, he says he's going to finish him off. Points a gun at his head, pulls the trigger. But ain't no bullets in the gun, y'all. He mm-hmm. and he pulls the clip out from behind his back. And this is how I know that Nick Offerman and Marcus is not a true redneck, because true redneck keeps one in the chamber at all times. Well, there there would be one in the chamber. Yeah, I would say there would be. He didn't take it out. Yeah. I mean, he, if there was one he, in the he, chamber, he would have shot him. Yeah, that's he'd right. have been dead. That's the thing they got wrong. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's how I know Marcus ain't true. I mean, it is Southern California, so you know Marcus probably shouldn't even be there. <laughs> yeah, where the hell does Marcus live exactly in Guys, L.A.? That, that's why this is Ron Swanson. He did all this stuff before he buried that gold and moved to Indiana. Mm. And now he has a giant mustache to hide out. That's fair. That makes sense. Well, <laughs> it, it makes sense until the end of this episode, at least. <laughs> I have my doubts for episode 21. <laughs> Vis-a-vis Marcus's chances. I mean, as do I, but you can survive a lot of things. <laughs> and if anyone was... can survive 
I'm going to say two to three gunshot wounds to the chest. It's probably Ron Swanson. Correct. Um, so, he, does, he deserves to meet Tammy one and Tammy two. So, so Marcus and gang pile Kate into the, uh, into Yusef's SUV. They drive away. Where was they? God, car? they Where didn't did find from, from. Well, that was, that was Yusef's car, right? They drove off in the SUV. Yeah, no, but I'm saying like Marcus and his, and his friends were just walking. Through LA? I get. I think they just came upon a Middle Eastern man in an SUV and decided to jump him. And you know, hey, I'll say this. Thank God they didn't look in the trunk oh towards God. the weapons factory yeah. that exists in that bad boy. <laughs> um, so they drive away towards Kate Warner's house, and um we see Yusef roll over and being the unceasing badass that he is, crawls slowly to a phone booth to try to call CTU and he dials 911 but he's unable to get any signal because all the phones are down mm-hmm. which is just perfect mm-hmm. my, and we cut back to the basement Yusef. I love Yusef so much um we cut back to the the basement and Raymond tells Dr. Spire to give Jack more epinephrine which mm-hmm. seems like a bad idea given what I know of epinephrine yeah. and yep. Dr. Spire says he's already had too much to which Raymond responds he's strong he can handle it uh this is like 15 minutes ago he literally told him to give him as much as he can handle so yeah yeah, no by 15 (laughs) minutes ago I'm gonna say based on where we're at maybe eight minutes ago Jack (laughs) just died uh his heart just stopped fucking working so I don't know how strong he is but the worst part about this was that so Spire, after administering the epinephrine, also called for a bag of saline to give Jack fluids. So then he he shot the epinephrine syringe into the slow drip bag of saline, which I guess is kind of like a five hour energy <laughs> sort of IV. I don't really know what that does. Neither do I, for, bud. I'm not Jack. <laughs> like just okay that's a cup of coffee i guess <laughs> wouldn't it be great if this guy's not actually a doctor <laughs> i mean he is working at an urgent clerk i'm an orderly what yeah <laughs> just, found um, his, just found his coat <laughs> so then raymond tells dr spire okay great now go p- prepare me a syringe of barrow glide and spire objects and says i can't do that it'll collapse his lungs and Raymond just says, just do it. Why is that a drug? I don't That's, think it is. I mean, <laughs> it's, no, it's not. definitely not. I, looked it, I looked it up. Yeah, we all looked it up. But I think we're all on the same page. We're all no doctors, but a drug that makes your lungs stop working sounds bad. It sounds yeah. like the wrong thing you would have in an urgent care clinic. Correct. Like, people have stumbled upon some really bad shit. That can yeah. kill people, you know, VX gas, all that good stuff. But that becomes a weapon. <laughs> you don't keep right. it in the clinic. At some, at some point, we're going to need to stop someone's diaphragm from working. Why? Right. Why? Fucking, yeah. Hey, can you go grab me some <laughs> of that Agent Orange that we keep at this clinic? <laughs> so, so, Dr. Spire has to be literally told, he's like, no, I can't do that. And Raymond says, just do it. And he does it. Um, also, that is a very fucking large vial of barrel glass. <laughs> Right. It, Why? Yeah, it's Barrel like, Glide is a terrible name for a <laughs> medicine. 
Barraclite, it sounds like something you would get next to the KY jelly at the fucking especially one pharmacy. That paralyzes your lungs. I'm not, I'm um, not, I'm not so, gonna lie, y'all. All I wanted to do was make a picture of a of, of a polar bear hang gliding one. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like Diet Coke for your lungs. Um so Dr. Spire begins to prepare, begins to draw some Baraglide from the massive, massive vial. And Jack is already already struggling to breathe. And Raymond leans over and begins to tell Jack what Baraglide is. And he says, oh, it's really amazing stuff. You know, just a real medical breakthrough. It's going to paralyze your diaphragm and you're going to feel like you're slowly suffocating. You're going to feel like you're drowning until you tell me where the chip is. It's going to slowly, slowly kill you. And Jack just says, I don't know where the chip is. And again, why would there just like, what's the medical benefit of paralyzing your diaphragm? <laughs> we just, we couldn't think of a way to make this guy's lung stop working. So we came up with this medicine. <laughs> like at least in season one, Jack made up the probably lie that if you shove a, a wet towel down someone's throat you can rip their lungs out <laughs> like that was at least like it was you could okay. get stomach acids and pull them out through yeah. the esophagus like at least that's something this is just like what doctor would have this on hand like what sort of procedure could you possibly do that would require paralyzed lungs is, is, is this cobra antivenin? Oh, no. Why do we have cobra venom here? <laughs> Seriously, it's like I something thought, you, I would, thought you needed it. It's something you would milk from a fucking snake in Australia. Yeah, this it's is not pufferfish some, stuff. Like, do you yeah. have pufferfish venom here? Just, all right, give me some of that action. Oh, this kid's got a pretty nasty mole on his back. <laughs> Better stop those lungs real quick. <laughs> I guess, and I guess if mustard gas was released into the air, you don't want people to breathe. Oh, see. Oh, now we're talking. So as as Dr. Spire <laughs> The mustard prepares, gas you keep in the cabinet <laughs> gets out. So we get a very important conversation as Dr. Spire prepares this uh, particular drug for injection. We hear a phone ring in the background and Raymond goes over to take a phone call from Kingsley. Why do they all Jack, leave? <laughs> everyone walks away while Dr. Spire pulls the bear glide. And uh, Jack says, you need to help me loosen the ropes around my wrist, because if you don't help me, Raymond's going to kill you. He's not going to just kill me. You're dead already. And uh, Dr. Spire is kind of hesitant, but Jack just says, I'm the only chance you have of getting out of here alive. And Spire helps him kind of unthreading some of the ropes around Jack's wrist while Raymond has his back turned to him. Um, But then Raymond comes back and uh, Spire has to uh, run away. I can't say uh, that I would have helped Jack in this situation. Like, yeah, okay, there's a naked dude laying on the table who literally almost just died. And there are three armed dudes. But I I watched these dudes kill a dude for no reason. Yeah, but yeah. But this dude could literally just fall off the table and be like, and I mean, they it. clearly want something from Jack. Like, and it's like clearly not just like, tell me where the drugs are. It's <laughs> like, it's like they're asking for something cr- critically important. And like, I'd probably listen to Jack after they shot a man in cold blood. Um, but yeah, you're right. Um, but uh, Raymond walks back over and tells Spire to. Get started with that bear glide, and uh, he injects two cc's of bear glide right into Jack's heart, 
And um, Jack immediately starts having trouble breathing. And we cut to commercial at 314 and we come back. It's 318. Guys, I don't feel good about Jack's chances. Mm-mm. No. Vis-a-vis breathing. Not having um, a good time. But uh, at CTU, we see Ryan Chappelle, the uh, district head, walk in. And uh, he's greeted by Michelle Dessler. And he pretty much uh, brushes her off and says, I need Tony Almeida, who he learns is down in IT, which IT seems to be everywhere. Uh, but uh, he's unavailable. So he asks for the status on the phone grid. And Michelle explains that phones are down over most of the city. And uh, we've been using SATCOM. And uh, Ryan gives her a warning to only save it for priority since more than half a dozen agencies are sharing SATCOM access. And, but how uh, are they supposed to get information out? It's not like the phones are literally down. They only have SATCOM. So it's like, oh, cool. I guess they just don't get this information. Call 85 times until you get a, a single connection. Um, which again, like... <sighs> Most of the East Coast and West, like, middle of the country are asleep. I don't really know how overloaded the phone grids are going to be, but whatever. Um, so Ryan sees Tony hobbling over on his crutches, and he walks over and tells him, Hey, good work not following Jack Bauer with that Cypress audio recording. Uh, kind of assuming that they're not working together, uh, have not made peace. And Tony just says, I hate to tell you, but I don't think... Jack might not be wrong on this whole thing. And uh, what does Ryan just say? Uh, To paraphrase, we're about to bomb the whole Middle East. I don't want to hear your logic and facts. Yeah. I um, I need to understand. I mean, I, I, I'm starting to think that Chappelle is a part of the cabal. Mm-hmm. But his logic here doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, we are preparing a military operation. In the Middle East, mm-hmm. why do we need all the counterterrorism officers in L.A. to be doing nothing else but focusing? What are they going to do? Watch CNN? Like I don't. What the fuck are you doing? Well, to help what out if with they that situation? process intel? Is the the what? phrase? You're, yeah. You're, what you're just bombing everything? What if the Middle East <laughs> attacks us? You're killing all of our intel sources <laughs> that already happened. <laughs> Yeah, to me, they, they it are, seems like... Already, actually, here's the thing. By the way, you've already been nuked, CTU. Maybe you sit the bench on this one. Um, yeah. You know, like, if you had a goalkeeper who let in 10 goals in the first half, hey, fan, um, I think it's time to go and, go and get you out of here. Let's, let's call <laughs> it a day. We're going to go a different direction <laughs> with, um, I don't know, our counterintelligence. It's just, uh, you're not... It's not working. I don't know. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't do a great job of countering the terrorism. <laughs> It, so to me, it seems like just like Ryan Chappelle is George Mason without a sense of humor. Oh god! Like he's just the ultimate bureaucrat, and he tells Tony just basically like our mandate is to just process intel, and that's what we're gonna do. I don't want you doing anything else. So pull everyone off of this Jack Bauer bullshit. And um, uh, Tony says like, hey, I've got most of my people working on that intel, but I have a couple working on this Cypress stuff, and we see Carrie Turner. Uh, who's clearly got beef from the show, listening in. And uh, Ryan just says, your own staff has authenticated the audio. Let's just do the damn thing. You need my blessing to stay on as head of CTU, which I assume you want to do. And uh, Tony just says, what I want to do is is to do what's right. And Ryan just says, what's right is to follow the chain of command, eat my nuts, and do what I say. (laughs) 
<laughs> and uh, he walks away, and Tony looks at Michelle, and I don't think Tony's going to eat his nuts, you guys. He's Little not. Carrie Turner. Nope. Um, and we see, we cut back to uh, District, where Lynn Kresge is trapped in an office, wielding a welding torch to, um, well, basically do the dumbest possible thing. And um, what does she do? She, uh, she lights some trash fire and puts it up to the sprinklers, y'all. I mean, yeah. So the weirdest thing, so not how I would use a, a welding torch if no. I had my druthers to escape a room, um, but she does put it up to a smoke alarm, and you guys have, you know how smoke alarms work, where if you put it up to one, like a, a burning flame, it only goes off in the room that you're yeah, in and not the correct. entire building? Yeah, and yeah, all those commercial buildings, they're not linked at all. Yeah, that was the best part. Um, so... The smoke starts escaping the, from the room. The fire alarm goes off in Lynn's closet. And um, Jesper Eisberg opens the door and Lynn jacks him in the head with a f- fire extinguisher. And then she sprints down the stairs. Or no, sorry. She sprints out of the room towards an elevator, realizes the elevator won't reach her in time. And she starts going down the stairs. They're sprinting on the stairs. Curtis, to your point, she's not wearing any shoes. She's got full athletic ability. But about three flights down, what happens? Okay, but uh, can we can we go back? Yeah, sure. I don't care. This is it's a medium size to to large fire extinguisher. Yeah, this is what I homeboy's not getting up. Yeah, I don't give a damn. Uh, I don't give a shit. I don't give a fuck if he was a Navy SEAL. That's- it's just like Gary Mathis getting domed with a <laughs> tire iron in episode two or three, like. You don't stand up from that shit. <laughs> and then he, he he literally is is ten seconds behind her and running full speed. Nah, yes. nah, fam. I just watched a Frenchman get hit in the face today with a ball and he couldn't move right for ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like Lynn Kresge earlier in five minutes ago used the same fire extinguisher to jam a steel door handle off of the cabinet, yeah. like mm-hmm. in one blow. And she did more than that to Jasper Iceberg's head piece. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm with you. Um, just, I mean, and then you know later on he's just he's just fine, and I just no. Nah. But yeah, anyway, he catches up to her, grabs her from the back. She gives him a nice little. She also she rings his, his nose pretty good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She rings with a bone. Nice. Um, which once again he should be completely discombobulated, but nope. He uh he manages to get a push off, and down she goes tumbling. Through the one of those nice little middle stairwell areas, uh, to the floor, she falls approximately three floors and lands in that perfect. The landing. classic bad pose, yeah. where like <laughs> your your right leg is angled up yeah. almost towards the hip, mm-hmm. and your arms are splayed out, and we we hear her release one breath, and then her head falls to the side. Um, How much did they have to pay the Secret Service agent for this? Because, like, to commit murder? Yeah, to basically, like, I mean, it's one thing to keep someone in a closet. It's another thing to, like, beat the shit out of someone and then throw them down the stairs. I mean, the the, the bad thing is, though, even even (laughs) if David Palmer's, like, even if this 25th Amendment coup goes off without a hitch, that's fine. Whatever. That's how government works, maybe. I don't know. Um... (laughs) But, like, this guy is still going to jail for false imprisonment. 
Yes, especially because it's not like they're sending David to jail after this or he's going to be like in a military prison. Like he's just not even if it he's all not president works, anymore. he's just not president anymore. He could still be like, yeah, this was my assistant and you killed her. Yeah, like you like even keeping her in that room was a crime. Yeah. And also you threw her down three flights of stairs because you're, I guess, going to jail forever now. Hey, Thank you. Also, Homeboy's been president for 18 months. If he tells the American people the truth, which he's done before about his son going to jail, we're going to be like, hey, uh, uh, asshole, we're, we're not going to reelect the vice. We're going to reelect this dude because he's actually smart. What the fuck did you bomb the Middle East for? So, yeah, that dude's going to jail. One way or the other, he's done. But yeah, in that moment, he was like, gotta, gotta do the job. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to have to escalate shit because I realize we are 49 minutes through and we're only 21 minutes of this episode. So I'm going to I'm going to power through some shit. You do realize this happens every week, right? Oh, I do. And we always <laughs> figure it out. We always make that sit that sweet, sweet hour and a half. mark. But um, I feel like we're a little behind on this one because we got a lot of story left. We don't make it do what it do, Kush. Get on it. We get a tiny clock. It is 3.21 a.m. Please take a drink. And um, David Palmer tries to call his vice president, Jim Prescott, who is, uh, quote, unquote, unreachable, which not an excellent sign for your president mm-hmm. trying to call you. And um, I feel like if I was planning a coup, Curtis, how many cats are you throwing? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I didn't throw the goddamn cat. I threw her toy so she'd get away from me. What is wrong with you? <laughs> Why just, are you just throwing cats cush, everywhere? Cats are cush, cush. Do you real? You can't publish this. There's gonna be like eight white women who call the cops on me for throwing cats. I'm going uh, to be clear to to clarify. He did not throw a cat. You just you were Thank frantically you. searching for a cat, and then you picked one up <laughs> in front of the camera and then threw something. I threw her ball so that she would get away from a feet game because she was all up in here. Fair looking, enough. Looking for her ball. You can't be talking about throwing pets, man. That's not, I you mean, know. Sorry, get, I, have a, I have a 70 pound kids. dog. I'm not, I don't know. Yeah, sorry, bud. Um, <laughs> so again, not being able to reach your vice president at any time. Like, okay, guys, I, I'm going to derail this episode again. Can you imagine if Obama ever called Joe Biden and Joe Biden just wasn't immediately down to chat for like an hour? I feel like sometimes, though, like you're in the T-top. With your leather jacket on, going to get some ice cream, and you just don't hear the call. No. No, but th- but see, here's the thing. There's, it, it depends on the VP you're talking about, Kush. Oh, Biden's always I down lo- to chat. I love Uncle Joe. <laughs> well, Biden's always down to chat, and plus, Uncle Joe's good for a gaffe. So, Obama probably did, like, every hour, hey, Joe, where you at? I was going to talk to somebody from New York Times. No, Joe. <laughs> I was just, I was going to say how good of a job you did. Were you going to say fucking good job? I was. Dude, get back uh, here. Uh, I'm Stop giving it. a back. I'll give it a back rub to a waitress in a West Virginia diner. I don't <laughs> know. It. Felt felt pretty good. I don't know. Joe, get back here. All right. I'm sorry. But if it's Cheney, oh yeah, Bush never knew where Cheney was. Remember, we knew where Bush was after 9/11, and nothing about Cheney. So yeah, that's true. This literally happened. We just got bombed. We're for vice president. He doesn't want to be found, sir. He's <laughs> around underground bunker somewhere. <laughs> well, speaking of where he at, um. <laughs> So David hangs up after realizing uh, Prescott might be avoiding him and sees Sp- Secret Service agent Aaron Pierce standing outside the door, played by Glenn Morshauer, and uh, calls him in. And he asks how many administrations Aaron has served on. And Aaron says, I came in after the second Reagan term. And uh, Palmer says, I haven't been able to reach my, reach my vice president for 30 minutes. 
I want to know what you think about that. <laughs> and Aaron says, I don't know how to respond to that, sir. And Palmer explains everything about him calling off the military strike, his inability to establish compact, uh, contact with uh, Prescott, and uh, wants to know if uh, he should draw any conclusions from that. And what does Aaron Pierce say? He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to take sides. It's not his job. He's the Secret Service. And Davis says, "Aaron, stop talking to me like shit. You've seen some shit. You saw Reagan, Reagan, son, in his second crazy term. You saw some shit with Clinton, faux show. And what does what does Aaron do? <laughs> he goes. He goes radio silent. Essentially, pulls that uh, radio out of his ear. Mm-hmm. I'm going 2010. Just to talk at him." Tell and him. what does he tell David? He agrees with what he's doing. But there he are says, certain, trust but, your but, instincts. But, but in each no, in every administration, there are people who 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 disagree with what you know what the president does. You have good instincts, sir. You should trust him on this one. Probably the first person to say that to David. Does Aaron like, no. know something, or is he just? Assuming? Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. If there's one group of people who you should be able to ask, where's the vice president? And they say immediately where he be at. It's the Secret Service. Yeah, that's true. So if you were like, hey, my head Secret Service agent, where's the VP? And they're, if they're like, we don't know. It's like, okay, well, some of you are fired. <laughs> right. Like, if I'm the president, like, my fr- like, you know, where are my kids? Oh, they evaded us. Wow. No. Bye, I guess. <laughs> Bye, I guess. Also, how is Aaron Pierce still here? There, David Palmer's only alive because Jack Bauer's there. Um, from the last, right. from the last season. <laughs> so I think I think for Pierce, it's he can't tell David yes, but like it's just like I've seen enough shit to know that like you need to watch your fucking back. Mm-hmm. So I know that the Secret Service can't like they like have to report crimes right if they see them. I'm I'm gonna guess that at some point someone was around while Homeboy planning this coup. Like right. one of the agents was like, hey. We got a potential treasonous situation happening. Like, what do we do here? We da- are we down with this? <laughs> is that okay? Probably. Well, we get a tiny clock. It is uh, 3.24, and we cut to Peter Kingsley's penthouse where he looks to be working on some contracts, and a door opens, and we see an antechamber with a few people milling about, and a, uh, a very attractive young lady ushers two uh, men into his room, one of them, a silver-haired gentleman named Alexander Trepkos, walks up to Kingsley's desk and says, Max is very unhappy, and our entire project is about to go down the drain because it depends on a military action that the president just suspended. And uh, Who the fuck is they Max? go back and forth on some metaphysical bullshit, and uh, what happens? Who's Max? Who's Max? Who's Max indeed? Mm. What's the project? Is this like there isn't enough oil <laughs> in any, the Caspian anywhere. Sea? In the anywhere, <laughs> like to justify <laughs> nuking L.A. Like I just don't. Uh, nah. <laughs> None of this makes sense, and I I have a feeling that Max is the head of this shadowy cabal that has been facing David and the country since middle of season one, but. Uh, I, I hope we'll find out more about that. And Kingsley basically brushes off this guy's concerns, uh, Trepkos' concerns, and says, Palmer's going to have to respond eventually. A nuclear bomb went off in America. He can't. Either his own administration will take him down, or he'll have to respond militarily. And uh, Trepkos says, 
Well, I'm worried that Jack Bauer already has proof about the Cypress audio. And Kingsley very confidently says, don't worry, Jack Bauer won't be a problem. <laughs> and uh, those two nod and turn to leave. And not even bothering with whether or not Jack Bauer will be a problem. Did you guys happen to notice Peter Kingsley's computer background? <laughs> no. Mm-mm. It's one of the most buck wild things I think I've ever seen. Um, first of all, he's working on his computer and there's nothing up on the screen. But the background on the monitor was a um, a yellow oil rig sitting on top of a very narrow ice patch. Oh and then next to it was a negative color sun and or moon. <laughs> Just <laughs> what? taking up half the screen. He's just the fucking worst. Oh my god, I need to see this now. Basically, Peter Kingsley wants to tap the sun for oil. <laughs> oh. 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 So, we get another tiny clock. It is uh 3:25. Please take a drink. And uh we see Jack still being slowly tortured with the bear glide and uh Spire tries to tell Raymond that we're killing him to which Raymond just says, "No." But he'll wish he stayed dead, which is a pretty good line. (laughs) And um, Raymond leans over Jack and says, I can make it stop. And then immediately punches Jack to, you know, try and get the information he needs, which is not the best. I don't, he already can't breathe. Um, And as he punches Jack and Jack kind of screams with the minimal breath that he has, the other guards walk in the room and say, Hey, we're gonna they're gonna hear us upstairs after all the noise they've already made, killing people and torturing people. And he tell he yells at them to close the door. And then he tells Spire to double the dosage of Baraglide. And then he turns away to kind of gather his thoughts. Double collapse his lungs. Yeah. Really just really just make them pancakes. Make them crepes, <laughs> not pancakes. And um what happens here? What does Spire do? Spire takes that takes that syringe, gets that bear, bear glide in there. The other two guards leave the room, uh, and to to monitor to make sure nobody's uh, coming. Um, and Doc makes a move. Yeah, what does what does Jack say to him? He he kind of wriggles his eyebrows at Spire, and what is he? Uh, he what's the signal? He gives him the high sign. Yeah, the mumble trick. Like c- yeah, come, come closer to me. I can't. I'll tell you. He gives he he's oh, gonna give up the ghost. Yeah. He says he's gonna he's gonna tell him where the chip is and he starts to say <laughs> He goes he goes Panda 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 <laughs> And so and then the guy's like I can't hear you, I, I gotta get closer and Jack's just like <laughs> And then he and what aspire do as soon as he finally leans over the doc goes Wham Baraglide right in your fucking back, dude. And then he immediately dies. Apparently, that's how Baraglide works. Well, no, I, he does not immediately die. No, absolutely. Michael, did you even watch the episode? No, no. So I got to immediately die, but I, I, it like I, immediately affects him. I gotta wonder how like effective Baraglide is. I mean, it affected Jack with it. Like a small dose affected Jack within five seconds. I yeah, know it's I gotta, so weird. How effective is this shit if you don't put it into a vein? Well, just, here's the, here's <laughs> the thing. So Jack got a dose. And apparently it was not going to kill him because he does not die at the end of this episode. Um, But it made it within five seconds. It made it very hard for Jack to breathe. They doubled the dose here 
mm-hmm. and Spire jammed it into Raymond's shoulder blades. And Raymond immediately falls to the ground, having a lot of trouble breathing. And <laughs> he looks at Spire. Basically, Jack unties himself, grabs Spire's gu- or Raymond's gun, looks at him naked, and looks over at Spire and says, how much time does he have to live? And Spire says 15 minutes, which means that the original dose would have killed Jack in 30 minutes, I guess, if it's a, you know, one-to-one scale. Um, so Jack what does Jack about say? to die. He says, yeah, so Jack should be dying. He says, stay down, stop looking at my dick. <laughs> he walks over to Raymond and says, well, actually, no, he does not do this. Oh, how so the he, turntables. He, he, <laughs> he hears how long Raymond has to live. And takes his time to put on some pants. Mm-hmm, yeah. And then picks up the gun again and walks over to Raymond and says, Hey, you have 15 minutes to live. If you tell wait. me who was on the other end of that phone, wait, no, I'll make no, it quick. No, you missed a key point here. Oh, go on. There's go on, some points on. that Jack scores first. He gets that Hit me. He gets that pistol. Oh, that's true. He knows that there's the boys outside. Mm-hmm. Oh, true. Uh, sorry. Jack, yeah, for, that's Jack it. shoots, shoots a, pole, a pipe or a pole to make some noise. The boys come in and Jack... Who has been through literal hell for the past hour has died, um, has had his lungs stopped, manages to point blank kill two dudes who don't get With a shot. Four off. shots. Four shots. Well, here's I'll be honest, in that scene, the most impressive thing after Jack dying and currently being unable to breathe hits a three inch wide pipe oh, yeah. for the bullet. I thought at first they were showing that Jack was actually discombobulated. And like was gonna miss these dudes, and I was gonna be like, "Oh, it's gonna be a good fight, a fair fight." No, 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 no. 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 He no. shoots a pipe to call them in, and then puts them both down with four <laughs> shots. And then he says, "Hey, Raymond, you have 15 minutes to live. If you tell me who was on the other end of that phone lo- phone call, I'll make it quick." And Raymond, grabbing his chest on the ground, just says, "Peter Kingsley," and then. Shockingly, Jack, true to his word, puts puts two in his chest. Puts I mean, Raymond to down. To be fair, he only hurt Jack. He didn't hurt Kim. That's true. If he'd have hurt That's Kim, true. he'd have shot him in the dick and been like, nah. That, he was just doing business for yeah. Jack. Yeah. That's, That's it. fair. And as soon as he shoots Raymond, Jack kind of stumbles and is clearly having trouble breathing. <laughs> and we cut to commercial at 327. When we come back, it's 332. And we see Mike Novick, who's going to see the president, and uh, Palmer tells him to take a seat because he feels like he's being di- he's felt disconnected from his people in Washington, mm-hmm. specifically Jim Prescott, who's been avoiding him. Yeah, and it's a little, it's a little nuts. I'm, yeah, I'm going back to the wire on this one, y'all. Yeah, um, you'll know from from season three, uh, season two or three. There's a famous scene between. Uh, uh, D D Bar uh, D Barksdale and uh, Stringer Bill, mm-hmm. where our young friend Wallace, played by the fantastic Michael B. Jordan, has uh has gone missing, and and D sits Stringer down and, and Stringer's trying to get him to make sure he doesn't snitch, while he's in prison, and all D can say is, "Where Wallace at, String? <laughs> where Wallace? Because he wants to know where his friend is, and wonder what the fuck's going on, and all David Palmer's asking Mike is." Where my VP at, Mike? Where he at? Though? Where my VP? My 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 side dude. My 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 ace dude. Where is he? 
I can't There's talk no to way. this guy. There's no way they like each other. There's no way Jim Prescott was David Palmer's ace dude, no. though. <laughs> like, you, you are correct, but you also want to keep your enemies closer than your friends, right? That's fair. Like, um, you know, like, like if Hillary had been Obama's VP, he'd definitely be like, where's she at, though? <laughs> that, I mean, that's fair. Yeah, okay, great point. That's a really good point. <laughs> what you... What you what, what you doing here? Nothing. Mm-mm. Mm. You need to be in this room with me. That's that's <laughs> all the time. We're gonna play. We're gonna play SNES together. Oh, you. Um, you by the way, in the next six months or so, I'm I'm pretty sure you're not gonna see Mike Pence away from Trump. <laughs> when the indictments start coming down, where you at, Mike? Uh, I was with I was with mother. <laughs> with mother. Um, so. Novik kind of defends Prescott saying that, oh, I'm sure he's being just being pulled in a lot of different directions right now. And David says, I'm the commander in chief. When I call, there's only one direction to go, which is a great point. And Novik says, I'll get Jim on the phone right away. And David says, go ahead and do that. And also get me Lynn because uh, Jenny sucks at her job and I need Lynn. And um, Wait, so but but the president called and they were told that the vice president was unavailable, to reach, but. Mike's gonna call and right exactly it's like of all the things that David should be really picking up on and is blatantly missing whatever um so Mike closes the door and walks immediately to his little storage office and pulls out a satellite phone to call Prescott and we get another tiny clock at uh 3:34 please take a drink and uh Prescott immediately picks up the sat phone and uh and Mike asks, us like, hey, are we actually going through with this? Because if we are, well, you better do it soon because, quote, David Palmer is not a stupid man. He knows something is going on and it won't take him long to figure out what it is. And Prescott asks, well, how does he know? <laughs> and Mike just says, well, you haven't returned any of his calls for the last hour, so I think he might be on to you. <laughs> he might know something is afoot. He, 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 he might. And guys, I... Prescott says something here. I, I know. Is, is this I know. A thing? I know. I need to understand what this means. I, I, I I'm, I'm not gonna say it's a black or white thing. I just ain't never heard it before. He says, <laughs> Curtis. He says, hold your mud, Mike. <laughs> so basically, yes. I, I, Curtis. I have all caps. Three sentences in my notes. Um, so he tells he tells Mike to keep Palmer busy for thirty to forty five minutes until he's ready, and then hold your mud, Mike. And <laughs> I swear to God, we talked about this for one of the other kind of weird euphemisms used in this show. Um, I swear to God, the writers of Twenty Four just like looked up whatever the opposite of Urban Dictionary was, <laughs> like the old white man's like euphemism dictionary, and just pulled dumb phrases that are like. Yeah, we're just going to pepper these in. I don't know. We're just going to throw them in there. Use one of these per episode. It's Hold Your Mud is apparently like, don't don't crack under pressure. Like, don't give up class. Like, it's one of those phrases just like, ah, but oh my God. What holds mud? I don't. (laughs) I guess to me, it's like, is it like, to me, it's like you have diarrhea. Just hold it. (laughs) Like, don't you dare poop right now. Dude, that's that's all. It's got to harken back to like World War One. But where it's like you're in a trench and it's sense. muddy. No. Like, like hold, hold your, your ground. Makes sense. Like hold you your have... ground. Hold your mud. What? Yeah. It's like this is your mud. Don't let anyone come in here and take it. Why was my mud? In a tri- I... Okay. Um, all right, man. Shit was muddy. Right, it's back Prison then. Prison slang. Everything was... 
refused to become a snitch or provide information even so, in the face of the so threat of punishment or violence. They're really dicking the dog. So, so you do realize <laughs> you do realize we haven't been in trench warfare since World War One, right? That's so you're I talking said. about things from nineteen. Harkens back to World so, War One. So you think that Mike that that uh, Prescott was in was around in nineteen seventeen? <laughs> he definitely looks like he's in the military. The military is is they tend to hold on to things for longer than they should. That's all I'm saying. At max, this dude was in Nam or Korea. He was not fucking dub mud. dub one. They got mud in Vietnam. <laughs> hold the mud. Don't let anyone get all up in your mud. It's my mud. You can't have it. It's my mud. Please stay away from it. Also, I am invoking the 24th Amendment to take your mud away from you because you're clearly a bad steward of your mud. He's got the whole mud in his hands. So, so, got the whole mud. Um, So Mike ends the call and puts the satellite phone away. We get a tiny clock at 3.35. Please take a drink. And we see Jack, who is wearing some ill-gotten pants and a hoodie walking barefoot through the hospital and he calls Michelle Dessler at CTU and uh, they can barely hear each other because the phones are not working and uh, uh, they're forced to hang up and Michelle walks over and lets Tony know that Jack tried to contact them and he walks over to dispatch to find out to or sorry Tony tells Michelle to go over to dispatch to see if they picked up the number that Jack called from and they if they can triangulate his location and uh, Ryan Chappelle all of a sudden walks over and asks what Michelle wanted. And uh, Tony tells him that Jack tried to contact them. And Ryan gets a little upset saying that whatever Jack is doing is irrelevant. And I thought I told you that uh, we're going to stay away from trying to prove that the Cypress audio was fabricated. And uh, he says, I want you to keep your eyes on the real objective. And then he leaves. And how do you guys feel about Ryan Chappelle right now? It's just, what's the real objective? I feel I like don't... he's in the cabal. He's in the cabal. It, it, otherwise, or he's just really fucking bad at his job. <laughs> Again, we kind of talked about it earlier. I think he's just George Mason without a sense of humor and a, like a dedicated like bureau- nah, bureaucratic. Nah, fam, like, but like Mason was just trying to get like to DC paid, and he was blatant yeah. about it. And also, he was corrupt as shit. Like we forget that G May stole a whole bunch of money, like two hundred grand. Yeah, and then gave it to his surfer burnout son. Right, yeah. and also. Also, then he got he got he got like four tra- hours ago. He got tranked in the leg, right? <laughs> so, like, he had reason to be a little angry at Jack and be a dick that day. Like, Chappelle ain't got nothing. No, he's just a dick. Except that cabal money, you know. Except that sick cabal money. Yeah, I mean, but except- if so, Ryan is like, he's basically Jack was Jack's boss when Jack was head of CTU, and he probably had to deal yes. with so much of Jack's shit. Like, can you, That's fair. Can you think of all the reports that Jack was supposed to do as the head of a fucking division of CTU that he just didn't do? Did not want. Can I say this? I bet Jack did. I I bet Jack meticulously did paperwork. No. I bet Jack kept track of. No, I bet Jack did all the paperwork. Being like, <laughs> too much. Oh yeah, work. I shot this guy and this guy today. I'm gonna escalate that to my boss to deal with. I bet Jack was. <laughs> Super on par That's with his paperwork. Point. Yeah. I, what's funny is I think I think Chappelle actually kind of foreshadows our current people's current view of our uh, federal agencies, um, where they believe that the FBI cannot walk and chew gum at the same time. Deep so, state. No, there is no way that we can help with this war effort and investigate a serious counterterrorism issue that may be happening. Nah. We don't have the resources to do it. By the way, one specific office of CTU <laughs> just like <laughs> can't 
No, you know, you can't track down the one lead we have that might stop a, a global war. Absolutely not. The entire agency needs to be laser focused on, I don't know, intel? What you got? Intel. Uh, here's my intel. of the CIA. Also, the CIA, by the way. Can the rest of the CIA Also, by the way, they've been so super clear that this exact office of CTU has no computer or database resources left to it whatsoever. <laughs> they've been blown up. They've all been mirrored over to district. Like... They can't do shit on site. Here's the intel. We're about to, we're about to bomb some shit. That's the intel I got. What you know about that? Um, so Ryan walks away from Tony, and uh, we cut back to uh, District, where David Palmer is finally on the phone with uh, Jim Prescott, and he says, "Hey, I know you've been an opponent to me calling off the strike," um, and uh, Prescott ensures him that. None of what he has uh, kind of said to David will be known by the public. And uh, David just says, "Hey, I know we haven't had time to discuss your opinions or anything you or anything you have uh, going on against me, but I want you to know you have my e- my ear. I'm an open book. Please tell me if you have any problems." And Prescott just stays silent and doesn't talk to him. And then they just hang up. And David is like. Oh yeah, that guy's definitely plotting treason. <laughs> I de- definitely don't trust my vice president. Yeah, no question. And, about and it. then, but I'm going to tell tells, Mike that he tells Mike I don't trust him. And then what happens? Uh, Aaron Pierce walks in and says Lynn has fallen down the stairs. She's and in critical condition. Critical condition. And Palmer goes to see, and Mike, looking disturbed, follows him out. And we cut to commercial at 3:38. We come back. It's 3:42, and we are at CTU, and we see Carrie uh, Davis. I want to say her last name, but I don't know. She's walking through the office, and we see Tony hobbling over on his crutches towards Michelle, and asks what she's found out. And uh, she has, in fact, located the uh, location of Jack's phone call. And it came from somewhere between Encino and Studio City, which I don't know anything about L.A., so probably a small area. Well, there's Encino and Man. Encino Man. So. And then Studio City Boy. Yeah. So between between Brendan Fraser and 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 places where a TV show was shot. Yeah. Yep. Mm. And it's actually Carrie Turner, because my next sentence of notes well, no, has her last name is, in this it. This is Michelle Dessler telling me about the phone call, though. Right, but it's Carrie Turner that I I forgot her last name Correct. in the first sentence of what I said, <laughs> and now I remembered it because I wrote it. Um, so she overhears Tony and mm-hmm. Michelle talking about the route that Jack might be taking back to CTU, and uh, Michelle is about to pull up a satellite, and uh, Tony says, no, don't do that. It's going to raise a red flag for Chappelle. And um, Michelle just says... Well, there are police channels I can monitor to see if Jack has contacted anyone locally. And Tony asks, can you monitor those police radio signals without being detected? And, um, yeah, it's a fucking radio signal. (laughs) No one can detect me listening to the radio. I can do it with, like, two crystals and a piece of aluminum (laughs) foil. Don't get a CB, bro. Monitor that shit. Like they sell it to eight year olds for six dollars. Yeah, I can I can do it. It's fine. Uh, so Michelle says, "Yeah, I can do that." And Tony says, "Go ahead." And he walks away, and we get a tiny clock at three thirty so forty three. Please Cino, take a drink. And Sino to Studio City is an uh, eleven mile drive. Okay, well, I mean, it's not as bad as Milo's phone trace, I guess. But but fuck, and mo- not- most of the stuff between Encino and Studio City is actually a lot of like it looks like parks. Interesting. So maybe it's a straight down Ventura Boulevard. 
And you take the 405 over to the... Um, take you the you you get off of, You go to the 101, and then you get down on the Ventura Boulevard, and then you're right there. You're right there at a tiny clock at 343. Please take a drink. And we see Jack driving what is one of the first of many, many silver Ford Tauruses that will show up in this show from here on out. Curtis, get ready for some branded partnerships. And he finally arrives at uh, Vineland and Moore Park, where he was supposed to meet Kate and Yousef. And he looks around but can't see them. But then all of a sudden he notices something in the phone booth on the ground. A de- a, an almost dead Yousef. A Yousef Ayuda. And he, he parks the car. He runs in and he, he cradles Yousef to him. And what happens? Yousef tells him that, they, that, that Kate took him to her house, what neighborhood it was in. Says I'm not gonna make it, Jack. Go on then without me. Fuck, then he fucking died. Yusuf should probably have taken over this show. Mm-hmm. Fucking Ron Swanson, man. Yeah. I, it, I, I'll be honest with you. It really colored my opinion on Nick Offerman. Yeah. I I'm not happy about what he did to Yusuf Ayuda. Yeah. I mean, have look, you seen the most recent commercial where he super glues back together that that go kart? <laughs> did he super glue together a uh, Middle Eastern agent of undistinct? Origin and Afghanistan. Um, yeah, la- I'll say Afghanistan because I don't know. He didn't. Um, that go kart looked pretty sweet. It was pretty sick. Um, so Jack gets in his car and starts tearing ass mm-hmm. towards Kate's house, and we get another uh, tiny clock. It's three forty-five. Please take a drink. And uh, Kate's captors arrive at her house, and uh, they are shocked that she lives in such a nice, nice place. And uh, they do some rigmarole about, oh, give me the key. And she doesn't have them. And they find it under a pot. And then they open the door and the alarm goes off and they're scared. And then she gives them the code. And it's just a whole bunch of bullshit. Uh, a bunch of rednecks trying to wrap a place. Also, not how alarms work. That'd be a really shitty alarm if you went, the moment you open the door, it went off. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That'd be a uh, constant situation. I'll say this, though. So I've had to do the alarm at my uh, my old employer a couple times, mm-hmm. and I was terrified of it because it does go off when you open the door. It starts beeping. Yeah, but they give you, you a minute to set it. This was the literal alarm went off. Well, this was actually, the literal alarm. So if then because there's two different alarms. There's the the daytime alarm, which gives you time, and then there's the nighttime alarm. Because my aunt used to have a nighttime alarm, which if any window or door opened. Um, it's game time. It, yeah, it but, went off so, immediately. What you do is you set that though and say that you're home. Like right. you said, it's like an inside right. and outside. Right. So you say you say you're inside and that yeah. happens. Maybe she accidentally said the inside one. The outside. It, it, it's it, but the, she had to open. She had to close. She the door, is Kate. Though. True. She found That's a way. true. Found well, a way. so she they turn the alarm off and they, they the guys are like relieved and Marcus says, "What? Do they have fake numbers you can put in if you're like, I'm under duress." I'm being forced to go into my house. A panic code? That that yeah. might be some 2018 bullshit. This is 2002. That probably doesn't exist because they barely had phone lines back then. Um, so <laughs> they were so the guys all look relieved. The, <laughs> the guys all look relieved. And Marcus Marcus tells her, "Well, take me to the money." And uh, we cut back to district where we see Lynn Kresge being wheeled out of the office, and David Palmer and uh, crew run out to see her first. And um, the uh, paramedic and doctor notifies him that she has some pretty severe neurological damage by taking a pretty bad blow to the head. And um, Palmer just says he apologizes to Lynn for what he put her through, and she's crying. And David asks who did this, apparently knowing that something nefarious happened to her. She didn't just fall down the stairs. 
And the doctor said she's just not coherent, but Len's trying to communicate. She's trying to do something. She's trying to do yep. something, and she's what is she, what is she doing? She's trying to point. And she's as trying, her as her hand is moving, the Secret Service agent, who I I can't remember his name, who was holding her, who got knocked in the in the dome earlier, was saying um, she's incoherent. I don't think she's <laughs> gonna be anything, but she she's trying to point at Mike Novick. Mm-hmm. And so she's slowly raising her hand, and David's fo- trying to follow the path of her hand. And what happens? That little sly fucking motherfucker. That bald asshole Mike. He Novick. grabs her hand as if she was reaching out for some yeah. for some Fuck human touch, for comfort, for comfort, mm-hmm. and just pats her hand reassuredly and says, "You're going to be okay, Lynn." And then they put her in the ambulance. She drives away. I remember this the scene the first time I saw this show and being so. Yeah angry oh yeah i i have big big all cat letters fuck you mike on, on that is the I sneakiest just... fucking shit yeah. like like I, i'm i like mike novick as a character even like i i think i forgot all about what he does here and the whole season was like you know mike's being a kind of a rat but i i like him and then i this shit mm-hmm. like that is such a like you nearly killed a woman, and you're just gonna like ah. He just does that ah. There, there, right. sweetheart. Like, especially because like he he's trying to justify it, saying he's doing the right thing for the country, he's doing the right thing, and it's like no. At this point, you have to say to yourself, if you still have morals, you've gone too far. Mm-hmm. Like someone has almost died because you're trying to overthrow a democratic like the president. Just stop. Mm-hmm. Like nah. <laughs> Just, yeah, I, th- this is where I, I really turned on Mike, and I can't wait for him to go to Gitmo. Oh, yeah. um, I, I don't want Gitmo anymore. I want, I want, I want Jack's laughing place. But, Jack's laughing place. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Lynn Chris gets wheeled away into an ambulance, and we cut to commercial at three forty-seven. We come back; it's almost three fifty-two. And uh, Carrie Turner. Wait. Oh, fucking! We get a damn it. In the we got a damn in it the, in the split screen. They show Jack, oh. and he, he says, "Damn it." Oh, I didn't even mm-hmm. notice. Michael, thank you. Everyone, please take a drink for that good, good swear word. Mm-hmm. Um, Carrie walks over to Tony, and Michelle notices. And um, Carrie quietly tells Tony, you know, Chappelle's going to find out about you helping Jack, since that's all you've been doing. And uh, Tony says, uh, aren't you supposed to be working on field intel <laughs> like everything else and like what Chappelle wants us to be doing? Mm-hmm. And Carrie says, oh, I could be doing that, or I could be trying to help you keep your job by not saying anything. Man. And Tony just says, okay, well, you know, go ahead and don't say anything. And what does Carrie say? She says, you know, Michelle worked under me at Division. Things worked better that way. <laughs> and so Tony says, are you saying that you want Michelle's job? And Carrie says, yes. And then Tony Almeida does something that, and I will say this now, for the rest of this show, I I, I can't hate on this man no more. Yeah, so he does a thing, and I, there's a line that is leading up to it. Curtis, I'll, I'll let you Go get there it. in one second. So when, when Tony says, okay, we'll just don't say anything, Carrie says, I want Michelle's job, and she's not qualified to be my boss. And she says... I want her job, and I assume you want to keep yours. Mm-hmm. And I think, well, I think that her going after Michelle did some shit. Her going after Tony lit a fire under that tone bone. <laughs> and what, is, what does he do next? 
he calls Chappelle over. He calls her bluff, man. Yeah. He says, all right, Carrie's got something to say. She wants to tell you something. Go ahead. <laughs> she says they've been they've been monitoring Jack Bauer. Uh, and I wanted to give him the opportunity to 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 to, to, to cover himself and, and save his job. Well, before before that, Tony introduces true, the yeah, problem sorry. to Ryan oh, yeah. Chappelle and says, Oh, um, yeah, Carrie wanted to talk to you. Uh, she's trying to extort a pro- promotion out of me by keeping her mouth shut about me uh, looking at Jack. <laughs> or, sorry, keeping my mouth shut about something. Yeah. And Chappelle asks, what are you keeping your mouth shut about? <laughs> she says, they're still, they're still working. They're just looking, looking at helping Jack. Uh, and, and Chappelle tell, just tells Carrie to fuck off and tells Tony he's still in charge. Uh, but that he shouldn't be comfortable with it because he's only still in charge because he can't find a boss to replace him. <laughs> yeah, Tony and says thank not, you. <laughs> yeah, and he does not like insubordination. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so basically Chappelle just says, we're past Bauer. Stop looking at him. And Tony says, no, sir, we're not past <laughs> Bauer. You are. I'm not. And I'm still head of CTU. And if you're not comfortable with me making my own decisions, I suggest you relieve me of my duties <laughs> right now. And Chappelle just says, well, I can't find anyone else, so I guess do your thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so essentially, for the past, where are we on now? 20. Um, 20. 20. So the past 44 hours, uh, Tony Almeida has been the only person within LACTU who continues to do his goddamn job consistently. Just always doing his job. And again, you guys, you guys hated on Tony I for the did, first- I did. Not gonna lie. I did. I mean, he sucked. He did. Yeah. The problem it is, was he's the, like it was the, the soul patch. It was the soul patch. But he's it like was. the lawful. He's like the lawful good, right? The, he's the lawful good, right? And so he's like so middle of the road. Like it's hard to. Uh. He's not. Yeah, he's definitely the guy you love to hate. But um, we cut back to Kate's house where. She slowly opens her safe for Marcus and the gang, and Marcus <laughs> oh goes in God. and gets everything oh, out. Oh. And uh, our our sweet redneck friends are in for a rude awakening because the Warner family obviously has a lot of international dealings. Their safe is full of twenty thousand what's euros? Euros? <laughs> what? The- Marcus goes. Ron Johnson goes, what the fuck is this? She goes, Euros. He says, Euros? Do I look European to you? <laughs> she says it's as good as it's as good as dollars. Says, I don't want fucking Euros. I want I want real I money. I want real money. He wants, he wants cash money. Yeah, I want like, cash I want money. Ca- Fam, like 20,000 Euros in 02, I think was worth around like $35,000. So I actually checked the exchange rate. Um, depending on what month it was, if this was January or February, it was one point three dollars uh, to each euro. So like, it would have been nice around September, which and when I think this was happening, it was pretty equivalent. So either way, this is about twenty thousand yeah. dollars at minimum. Um, it's not that hard to exchange euros. No, not in L.A. Fuck. Yeah. Like. <laughs> Even if you're a redneck piece of shit. <laughs> I, um, I want cash money. It's literal paper money. 
take it and exchange. It's not hard. I can't track the fucking serial numbers from the euros that I yeah, have. It's not like she gave house. him the the uncut sheets Jesus of whatever Christ. like bonds or something. Like it's not like she gave them a bitcoin. <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's the thing. So after he 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 assumed that European money isn't actual money, his dipshit friend picks up a goddamn diamond bracelet and is like, "Well, is this real? So you're okay to hawk fucking diamonds, but you can't exchange actual currency, cash money for one to one exchange rate? Yeah, nope, can't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so they take the money, they find an envelope full of fifteen hundred dollars American dollars, and uh, they're wondering what to do. And Kate just says, "Just take." the stuff and go just give me the chip i need it and marcus starts to look around very nervous and says well can't just leave her here she knows what we look like and our names which again like a nuclear bomb just went off like cops are not gonna fucking follow you out to like i mean like of all the nights to pull some crimes like this is probably the best basically also also also, i know as a white dude named marcus all right like in la okay (laughs) Uh, sure. We can find him. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'll probably be fine. Um, and Marcus says, I think she's going to call the cops. We got to kill her. And so he pulls his gun at her and he goes to shoot her. But one of the guys who's been looking squirrely this whole episode, he, he did clearly not like Marcus beating the shit out of Yusef. He, he was very uncomfortable with them kidnapping Kate. Mm-hmm. He grabs his gun and pushes it to the side and prevents him from shooting Kate and Kate takes off at a run. She runs through the uh, through the house. She throws a lamp at one of the other guys. Uh, and then eventually one of the other dudes named Rouse grabs her from the back. And she elbows him right in the head. She's got some briefly. She's yeah, she, no, she, throws some, she, she throws some bows. She's clearly learning from Jack. And she hits Rouse in the head and starts to run again. And Rouse grabs Marcus's gun and puts it directly to Kate's head. And what happens next? A wild Jackson Bauer appears in the house. Mm-hmm. Pop, pop, zoom, zoom, pop, pop. To the sound, and, the sound of his gun does not sound like a goddamn dark gun. But anyway, <laughs> Jack takes out two of the dudes. No problem. Takes out one, one of them. That was two. Was it no, one? the other two no, are only killed in one. The Gosh, other right. two. So he chases them through the house. Kate tells him where they might be in the back end of the house, and they wind up cornered in a bathroom. They shoot through the the door twice, and uh, Marcus, played by Nick Offerman, tells Jack, "If you try to come in this bathroom, I will crush this chip." Even after Jack identifies himself as a federal agent, doesn't really tell him that. Just like, hey, I just want to like you know stop a war or some shit. Uh, basically, Jack just says, if I have to come in there, you're going to die and I get that chip. <laughs> I'm getting um, this chip. Mm-hmm. And Marcus says, I'll destroy it if you come in. And we see a split screen. Jack is still waiting behind the door. Tony's talking to the people at CTU saying they're still looking for Jack Bauer. And it's now your priority. So he's basically completely ignored what Ryan Chappelle said to him. Um, Kate is now standing up and we see David Palmer sitting in his office. And then we see Mike Novick go to his little closet storage space uh, and sit down at his computer and he sits at his desk and he slowly turns his webcam on and we see a view of the vice president walking into a chamber with the rest of the cabinet around a round table and he thanks everyone for coming and someone one of the secretaries i believe the secretary of agriculture asks if they're waiting for the president and jim prescott says he'll be joining us later and when the secretary does not understand, Prescott says, well, I'm afraid he's the subject of the meeting. 
And what I have to say might come to a surprise of some of, to some of you, and to others, a relief. And then, what does he say to the assembled members of the U.S. cabinet? David Palmer is not fit to continue as president of the United States. We have a couple of tenth seconds, and then we <laughs> cut to cut to black at three fifty nine and three fifty nine seconds. The, the face of the cabinet member who asked the question originally about the president not being there yeah. is actually perfect. Because I, I want to remind the audience here, I'm I'm a, I'm gonna I'm list some names here. I just want you to hear them and then think about what you would say in the situation. Uh, Mike Pence, Joe Biden, Dick Cheney, Al Gore, Dan Quayle. <laughs> Keep it going. George H. W. Bush. Okay, he he was a president. Yeah. Uh, I'll take it. I have no idea who Carter's VP was. A uh, boiled potato, boiled peanuts. Yeah. Just a couple peanuts. <laughs> a couple, just a cup of boiled couple, peanuts. A couple peanuts. Spiro um, Agnew? I, I don't know who Gerald Ford was. Uh, Nixon. Nixon. What? No, <laughs> Gerald Ford was Nixon's VP. Yeah. <laughs> who was Gerald Ford's VP? He, did, he didn't have Actually, one. it was also Nixon. He got pardoned. I, uh, yeah, we <laughs> had to have a VP. Though. Anyway, anyway, uh, then Spiro Agnew. <laughs> Um, do any of these men, could they invoke amongst a majority of the U.S. cabinet faith that they could run the country? Y'all want to know who <laughs> Gerald Ford's VP was? Tell a me. A guy named Nelson, Nelson Rockefeller. Oh, what? Oh, Rockef- the conspiracies oh, are real. Okay. Hey, hey uh, Carter's hey. vice president was Walter Mondale. Mondale? Okay, I was going to say Mondale, yeah. Damn. Wait, wasn't it? I thought... He- Oh, you yeah, know, no. Yeah, he got he got boat raced by Reagan. Correct. Yeah. Real hard. He got boat raced real, real bad. <laughs> Diane Feinstein was going to be his VP. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, I think my point stands. Uh, there's a reason you're the VP, friend. Uh, you oh, no. ain't getting that vote done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine there's a whole lot of people who are like, yeah, no, we're going to go against the president on this for one. You. Yeah, for you. Like seriously, like th- I think the comparison here actually would be um, Kennedy LBJ, right? In the Cuban Missile Crisis, if like LBJ decided, hey, this young buck can't handle it, y'all. Uh, nobody likes you. Um, so nah, though. Anyway, um, yeah, there's a reason you're the VP, fam. Uh, yeah. So nah, good luck. Yeah. You're there to win two to three states. As the vice president. Right. Like, w- like, we weren't, like, nobody wanted to vote for Tim Kaine if Hillary, like, just, no. Just, yeah. Just, no. <laughs> like, Tim Kaine was there to win a couple swing states. Like, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Like, Mike Pence was there to give Donald Trump some evangelical cover, which apparently he didn't need because morals right. are I mean, gone. Even push back, like, um, look at Paul Ryan, fucking, fucking Sarah Palin. N- no, we're not giving you the keys, friend. Just, no. Just enjoy the VP-ness. Living that, living enjoy that naval the Naval observatory. observatory. It seems nice. The old observatory. I mean, you know? Yeah. Get in there. Seems like a cool old house. Probably got a telescope in there. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Better. <laughs> Some old naval artifacts, maybe? Should be dope. Who knows? Well, folks, uh, yeah. So, Curtis, we're done. Mm-hmm. You think this goes through? You think the 25th Amendment gets invoked? Um, You think David's going to sniff it out? I mean, I think there's going to be some shenanigans that actually do occur. I think 
they might pull it off because it's this Charles Woodmore from Lost. Um, okay. I sadly I don't see Ron Swanson making it through the next episode. <laughs> uh, I see Jack getting that chip game uh, pretty easily, actually. Uh, and then we'll see what happens. You want to put a you want to put a shot clock on that particular? Oh, action? Yeah, no, twenty minutes. Like I, this dude, dude might he might hold up through a commercial break, but I don't. I just don't. I don't see it happening. Yeah, I think that's fair. <laughs> Here's a question: Lynn Kresge out the game. Mm-hmm. Mike Novick turned on David. Yep. He. How does David get out of this situation? I'm, Sherry so, fucking Palmer. I mean, there's there is a Sherry, but at he's the, no he's got no allies right now. At the end of the day, um, no matter what your political affiliation is at this current point or what it was in the past, um, David is the president of the United States. I would like to think that even barring his own ignorance of the situation, somebody would something? tell him something. <laughs> Like any of the, like, like honestly, like one of these people that he gave a very important cabinet position to might text your boy. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah I was going to say, it's I'm 2002. Just, um, doing something. Like, it's 2002. I feel like if this was 2012, like, he 100% would have been plussed into the Google Hangout. <laughs> like, right. Like, they would have Snapchatted him and be like, I, oh, I, impeaching the president. Like, people need to understand <laughs> that, like, the, the obscure people who got pulled. Like, I think Obama's last cabinet secretary was the CEO of Columbia, like, sportswear. Because she right. knows the other. But, like, she, she wasn't, like, you know, like, you get those positions because like, you're not in government all the time. So it might just be like, yo, that's my friend. I'm not going <laughs> to just fucking let you usurp him. So, no. <laughs> like, Actually, I'm, I'm putting, like, someone called him on a cell phone is like, I think he, he's on the call and wants to have a conversation with you, Mr. Prescott. <laughs> also, he, he's on also, sp- the Marines are here. All of them. <laughs> the whole... Yeah, we actually couldn't send them to Marietta, Georgia, so now they're at your house, I guess. I guess you're under arrest, I think, is how they do it. Um, yeah, I, I'm i curious to see how this all plays out, because I do forget, but David without allies right now is, is a little rough. He's always got um, Sherry. Or, I mean, if he wants to really get that job done... Keith. Keith. Mm-hmm. Keith kills people. Keith just takes mm-hmm. them out. Go kill so. the vice president. Whatever, man. Done. You got it, Dad. No problem. We're, we've reunited. They caught a fish together in the first episode. They're clearly on good terms. Once again, Michael, I, I listed the, the names I listed off for you. Mm. Um, if the headline is one of those people killed, you're like, yeah, you know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, we're well, we're going half mass because the like the ceremony part of it, but we're like, yeah, all right. I don't. <laughs> I mean, that's another point. Like in terms of what does that mean? We talked what about happens to our country if the VP goes. Like nothing actually stops. It's like yeah, like Joe Biden's like okay. Well, I guess a lot of like waitresses at chicken wing restaurants and like around like the DC area are spared from back rubs. Like okay, cool. Sorry, sorry, Joe Biden's family. I guess, but like it's also like today of all days. Like we talked about. Marcus being able to commit all the crimes he needs to on the day a nuclear bomb went off. Like if the VP died somewhat suspiciously on the same day a, a nuke went off. Like yeah. that, that terrorism though. Yeah. Yeah. Homeboy, he's old. He's an old white guy. He had a heart attack. Sorry. We know that was on me for nominating an old man. Their job. There's other terrorists probably. 
other there's probably other they almost killed me during the campaign they got your boy that's Mm -hmm. they got him all right well gents it's been lovely talking to me this week i think we have bright things on the horizon i can't wait to learn about all of them um if you like this show you can find out more information at goodbuddymedia.com you can find out more information about this show and our sister show trends in low places in which michael and i and occasionally curtis when he's traveling uh talk about dumb internet stories what's going on in our lives really just the hottest hippest trends of the day um so if you want to uh find out more information those sh- about those shows you can go there but also if you want to shoot us a message um if you want to share a theory about 24 if you want to tell curtis that uh tom hanks is crap you go ahead and do it um but you can shoot us a message on facebook or shoot us an email at goodbuddymedia at gmail.com and uh, Curtis, you have something well, to say about that. Well, quick interjection. Fuck you for saying that. Also, I was playing Money Pit tonight, y'all. Um, because I didn't even notice. I didn't see it. I understand. It. I don't get a lot of, lot of a chance to do it, but I kind of see this whole thing as, you know, they're going to get some all out of the Caspian Sea. Uh, I think they're going to go in the negative uh, for this whole operazione <laughs> to overthrow the U.S. government to get, like, like three billion dollars worth of oil. It's it probably was those them bribes was expensive anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They uh, paid a lot of people. <laughs> they did. a lot of money. They did. Uh, anyway, folks, if y'all want to help us out additionally, uh, please subscribe to uh, this show, uh, Longside for Our Lives, or Trends in Low Places, our sister show, on the podcast app of your choice, whether that be iTunes, Stitcher, Podcast, Pondbead, Addict, or yep, Spotify. Um, you can go ahead and subscribe to our show. Uh, and once you do that, please go ahead and rate um, and comment uh, so that we can climb up the charts uh, and can and become a podcast juggernaut and eventually become sponsored by either beer or scotch. Excited about it. Okay. Um, but yeah, so yeah, we are now on Spotify. Pretty awesome news. want to you know thank my, my good buddies um, for working hard to get that donezo. Uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, but anyway, Michael, how can the folks help us on the old social medias? You can find us on the Twitters and the Facebooks at uh, LDuelCast, L-D-O-O-L-Cast, or by searching for Longest Days of Our Lives. Um, and when you do, please, uh, you know, like our page, uh, like our posts, share our page and share our posts, uh, you know, let other people know. Uh, to listen to us if they're looking for a new podcast, um, either our show or, or either the show or our sister show. Uh, we really appreciate everyone who's uh, giving us all those good reviews and, and ratings and stuff. So you guys are awesome. Yeah. Well, everyone, thank you so much for joining us this week. We'll be back in a week or two trying to figure that out. Sorry for all the delays with our stuff. But, um, gents, it's been lovely talking with you. Wait, I forgot how we do it this one. <laughs> no, I We're forgot out of it. Time. I I know, I forget it every time. Well, gentlemen, we're running out of time. Toodles. Ha <laughs> ha.